You're listening to Seattle Sports Saturday with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs on 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs in the house, hanging out with you all morning, taking you up until noon. Taking you up, getting you ready for the Pro Bowl tomorrow. And we yeah. say that with a little bit of laughter. With the pregame to the pregame. But it is pretty cool when you get to see your team represented and when you see that moment happen for players that have never been there before. I think that's the one one of the coolest things and how and what it means to them. Yeah, I mean point in case, Shaquille Griffin, mm-hmm. first time Pro Bowler at home in Florida. So family's there, his brothers there. It's a whole big thing and a whole scene and just the experience for someone to, to be recognized as one of the top players at their position in their conference and to be rewarded with it by going to play with the best of the best at the other positions as well, I think is a great honor. Yeah, so we it sparked our discussion. Cool moment to see for, for Shaquille, but who could be the next Seattle Seahawk first-time Pro Bowler? And and why? Why do you think that this player is in a position next season to have an incredible year? To me, I think a lot of the Pro Bowl, and this is unfortunate and fortunate in some cases, it is a popularity contest, right? That the most popular athletes make it. The J.J. Watts, no matter the production Star he's going to put up. Star power has a certain correct and your name, your brand. I heard Jake uh, yesterday on Tom, Jake, and Stacy. He was asked this question, and his answer was Will Disley. He thinks Will Disley is going to be the next first-time Pro Bowler for the Seahawks, and I would disagree. Uh, I I think the one thing uh, Uncle Will has working against him is that star power that we just mentioned, that he isn't necessarily a big name. There is no hype. Even his his production is great and it's quality and it's deserving of discussion of being a top tight end but to me it feels like it's dk metcalf by a long shot and just the way he ended the season the way people were talking about him and and the way the conversation shifted about rookie receivers drafted and it was just a two-man class with him and brown and they both were teammates at old miss and and then that team still had such a hard time. Right. Well, it's kind of just insane to think about. Yeah. That's a whole nother three hours. Yeah. But yeah. LeBron James posting about him and other big sports figures tweeted about DK Metcalf and he, his ability. And He definitely has that star factor because before he even got into the league, yep. he was a topic of conversation. Correct. The memes with the shirt off. The, the shirt. And the video and, of him and Pete Carroll taking their shirts off together. Which and, to a certain point is probably annoying for him to constantly be, have that brought back to him and that referred because he's so much more than that. We know that he wants to open up a restaurant when he retires, that his like passion is for cooking. And, and that's one of his biggest goals, just to have a restaurant in like his hometown with his family. And, and I think that's so cool. Yeah. But he has that personality. He's not outspoken by any means. He's actually pretty soft-spoken. And another person on a lot of uh, the people on our list actually would have that in common because Will Disley is also not the type to be loud out there in your face. Neither is Chris Carson, who might find his way onto this list as yes. well. Very he, soft-spoken, thoughtful human being. Right. If he had stayed healthy for the whole season, I think we would have seen that this weekend as well. I think we would have seen Chris Carson's first Seahawks Pro Bowl invitation. 
Uh, another one to keep an eye on, and I didn't have it on this list, and someone texted it in, but he uh, this would be his first time making the Pro Bowl as a Seahawk, but Quandre Diggs yeah. and the impact he had on this defense and what type of a playmaking safety he can be and where there aren't a lot of playmaking playmaking safeties anymore like we were so used to in you know the early teens, the 20 teens. It, it could be a Diggs invitation for for as his first time as a Seahawk. Could be something we see next season. To be honest, if he again can stay healthy all year and be out there for you know fifteen, sixteen games, we could be talking about Diggs playing in the Pro Bowl next year. Well, to be honest, I don't think we'll be talking about any Seahawk playing in the Pro Bowl next year because there'll be a different game. I think they'll be focused on. But if they are to miss out on that Super Bowl next year. I think that you could potentially see Diggs as another one of those names, too. I still wouldn't put him above DK. I think, again, just the hype. And it's unfortunate that that's a big thing, but that plays a big factor in selection for the Pro Bowl. And DK Metcalf has a lot of hype, a lot of star power for those Mario fans out there. DK star power. I'd agree with that. I think, you know, the the sophomore slump sort of... (laughs) Narrative is always out there, and mm-hmm. so, and that could potentially, you know, be something that he has to deal with next year. But I don't know. I just think he's a different breed, and he clearly has the relationship with Russell Wilson. They're probably going to be working together again in the off season, like they were last year. I think that if anything, I don't see his play falling off. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it doesn't leaps and bounds go ahead of of what he did this year because it was incredible, and also because. That's just not the Seahawks system is not that a a wide receiver is probably going to jump off the page and have ridiculous numbers because they spread the ball around. And even with the uh, like the players that at times you were like, who's who's the wide receiver core here? Russell still had connections with Malik Turner, with Jerron Brown, with Josh Gordon, who wasn't on the team very long, but still made some incredible plays. He felt comfortable enough going on third down so many times to Malik Turner or Jacob Hollister. So Russell can develop those connections with a lot of people. And I don't see DK dropping off next year by any means. I think he's a good bet on this list to be to be the next pro bowler. How about on the defensive side of thing? Maybe that's a little bit more of a confusing question because we've talked a lot about a lot of offensive Offensive, players, but that's where the Seahawks have more questions in general. And we didn't think we'd be this play in this position several years ago when steam was identity was all about the defense, but think about it this way. The Arizona Cardinals had two defensive players named to their Mm name to the pro bowl this year. And the Seahawks had one Bobby Wagner before Shaquille Griffin took over for Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. So that seems crazy. It does seem crazy. And it just feels like if you had said that a few years ago, you would have called that person crazy for saying something like that. Like what a Seahawks defense with not littered with pro bowlers and, and top tier talent. Like that just sounds ridiculous. But to me, a couple of people to keep an eye on Cody Barton, again, three, six, Oh, texting it in great, great linebacker has a lot of potential. And we saw him in those passing coverage plays. Dave Wyman talked about it a lot in his football one-on-ones that he was actually better than Michael Kendricks in some of those passing situations. And the way he was able to cover a tight end or a receiver was actually a little bit more in line with the way a linebacker is supposed to do it than what Michael Kendricks was able to accomplish this year. So that's something encouraging for Seahawks fans, having a young guy in that linebacker core. Because, look, if the Seahawks are going to play that 4-3 base defense a majority of the time, 
you got to have those playmakers at linebacker. They got to be able to cover tight ends in one-on-one coverage to, to be able to trail a couple of receivers and to make a play on the ball. And we saw that a few times with Cody Barton. And it also makes Quandre Diggs uh, all the more, all the more important in that system as well. You mentioned him earlier and I think you're right. If we see a fully healthy Quandre Diggs for a full season, I think that, you know, that I know a lot of focus was on Jadevian Clowney and what he did up front, but I just don't think it could be uh, overstated what Quandre Diggs did in the back for this team. I think another name too, potentially Rasheem Green. Mm. I think that maybe more of a long shot, but I think we saw he's still so young. Yes. He's 22 years old. Right. We've seen him grow a lot, and he is also just a shy type. He's mm. a soft spoken, very thoughtful, uh, but quiet, soft spoken human. So I, I just think that he still has so much room to grow. And and flashed a lot of that potential this year. And I think another, I agree with you 100%. That's a great name. And I'd lo- first of all, I'd love to see him keep evolving and growing as a player because that's going to, again, provide the help you need if you lose a read, if you go out and lose some of these players in free agency. But one name, and I was talking about this before, that it might not necessarily be based on statistics or accomplishments on the field, but generally just hype and conversation about this player but Shaquem Griffin the videos he's been making down in the Pro Bowl have been getting the gangbuster numbers they've been doing so well I'm wondering what what the NFL would be willing to do and to give him an you know a Pro Bowl special team slot isn't that big of an ask but the content and what he would be able to provide them and just the great videos and the back and forth he had with his brother there's just so much potential there, and it costs them the, a special teamer slot and maybe some outside linebacker snaps occasionally. Like It just feels like one of those moves where you can get so much great stories and content about these two brothers and their relationship and how much fun they have on and off the field, miking them up, maybe putting them on different teams and letting them see what that's like competing against each other the the brother uh the brotherly sort of camaraderie there i would love to potentially see what shakeem griffin looks like at a pro bowl i love it uh text in your suggestions keep them coming we love it Seven ten seven ten to the coors light text line we always appreciate hearing from you as well up next on seattle sports saturday we're going to dig into some of the baseball the conversation the mariners spring training luncheon happened this weekend we heard some unfortunate news for Mitch Hanniger, a setback six to eight weeks. We might miss all of spring. He might miss all of spring training and even some of the regular season. And plus, how should we be viewing the 2020 season? But first, that's coming up at 1130. Felix Hernandez signed a minor league deal with the Atlanta Braves. How do you feel about it? Some mixed feelings. It's next on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. The one, the only king in Seattle. There's only one name that comes up when you when you hear the name king, right? As a sports fan. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs, hanging out with you for Seattle Sports Saturday. Regina King. That's it. That's all there is. She was baller, though. She is, but... It's it's Felix Hernandez. Yeah, it's Felix. Sorry, the one and only. No disrespect to Regina. Yeah, (laughs) Um, man, what he has meant as a Mariners fan to both you and I, Taylor. Yeah, I I can't really accurately put it into words. No, it's and I think it so perfectly personifies 
the relationship between the Mariners and their fans and just how we wanted so much more for Felix and to fall short, I think, now drives us as Mariners fans t- to expect more and to want more from the franchise and to be better and to go out and get players like Felix and to have them go to the playoffs and to be able to reward their all-star level contributions to this team. Yeah, the news coming out this week, that's why we're discussing Felix, that he would sign a minor league, is going to sign a minor league contract with the Atlanta Braves. So mm-hmm. it'll be the first time in Felix's career that he will don a different uniform. Other than like a Bellingham or Tacoma. Exactly. You know, one one that's not related jer- to the Seattle, Seattle franchise because they are the team that, that signed him when he was just a youngster. Out of Venezuela, and and as he mentioned in his final game with the Mariners, how emotional that was. Uh, all these years in Seattle, at the time, how did Felix reflect on that? Biggest takeaway, uh, you know what? Uh, all this year where I played with Seattle, I mean, I was just having fun. I mean, I just really thanked the organization for opportunity when I was 16 years old, and I came out of the building when I was 19. And you know, uh, it's a lot of different things going on through my mind right now. I don't even know what to say. I remember, yeah, it was August. It was early August, right around my birthday when he made uh, his debut. And I just remember how cool. He's just this baby-faced 19-year-old Felix coming into the league in 2005. And in many ways, I felt like we grew up together. And he has been so incredible to watch. And then you mentioned it, Taylor, though. There's just parts of it that have been heartbreaking. I would... I would say he and Seattle remind me a lot of each other in that they are both loyal almost to a fault. Yes. It's almost that, a detriment. That's like, a great point. <laughs> both both the city of Seattle and then Felix, because he could have gone other, other places. He had that opportunity at different times in his career where he could have gone to more of a contender, chose to stay in Seattle. And yes, money was part of that deal too. And he made a ton of it while he was here. So I'm not saying that there aren't other incentives for him to do that. But he could have made money, plenty of money other places as well. And he chose to stay in Seattle. And then at the same time, Seattle has that history of being also ultimately so loyal to, to people, even to a detriment. So they perfectly, to me, poetically, like, marry well together and, and, and heartbreakingly well together. And that's why this week when this news came down, I felt just a mix of emotions. I felt both really happy for Felix. He deserves this. But then I also felt incredibly sad. Like, I Yeah, just... and I was also like a little, and again, I, he is more than in his right to go out and sign for the Braves or any other team. I was angry. I honestly felt angry that this is where we are, that this is how it ended. This is what we accomplished. This is sort of the story of Felix Hernandez. It doesn't feel like they got it right. It feels like the last season of Game of Thrones. Like, this isn't it, guys. You, no, you missed it. You nope, missed the mark. No playoff game right. in a Mariners uniform. It, and look, not to say that one playoff game, a wild card game that Felix lost would have changed just the way we think about him or feel about him, but I think he just... He deserved it. He did stay here. He battled through all those teams. Think about the discussion in the the mid two thousand, early to mid two thousands about the lack of run support each game Felix Hernandez pitched, and the fact that he would lose games two to one. Almost every single game he lost was two to one because they couldn't get enough runs to help Felix out. And 
it's just you're right, Lydia. There's so many emotions when it comes to Felix Hernandez because he was so great and because he could have been even greater. It feels like than he was, which is saying something because he's the greatest Mariner pitcher ever, ever. Yeah, and he will be for a long time, most likely. And and if it come comes down to that playoff game and him getting into pitch in one with the Braves because they were in the playoffs this past year. The Cardinals mm-hmm. ended up defeating them and, and putting them out of it, but they still, you made know, it. they still made it and they have a very talented roster. looks like they might go after that again. And I'll be so incredibly happy for him. Cause I think at this point, after 15 years, he deserves to be at a playoff game in a playoff atmosphere, but I'll also just be really envious <laughs> And still, again, angry. I'll be angry at the fact that the Braves were able to do it in one year, one season, with this version of Felix. And again, no disrespect, but it's not the same. Mm -hmm. It just is not the same as the the Cy Young winning one-and-a-half ERA, minimal, you know, whip. (laughs) It should have been two-time Cy Young award winning. But, yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, definitely. Um, But at least it's in the National League. That's all, but it's like my True. one saving grace, True. right? Like, just, you know. It just is, with the Mariners comes a lot of these mixed emotions. And I think most Seattle fans feel this as well, that there's just such a a confusion. I don't know else, how else to put it around this Mariners team. And, and how do we root for a team that tells us they're not going to win? How do we root for a team that hasn't made the playoffs in 18 years, but not seem like a bandwagon fan when they start to be successful. How can you invest time when the time you've invested hasn't paid off for enough years to vote in a public election? Like it just feels like there it's something and there's nothing we can do as fans. It's like something beyond our control and we feel so helpless, but yet we're still, we still, care so much and we're loyal to a fault we come back again and again i think that's the beauty of sports though yeah a lot of times is that i know that up in arms people i'll probably roast me on the text line for this but i think it's important to not always get what you want or think that you deserve or entitled to that echoes life perfectly because you even can do everything right that you do have control over in life and things still might not work out the way that you want and in sports you're not I'm sorry but you're not guaranteed anything ever. It it's it's a, there's so much heartbreak that happens in sports and you I think that's just an important life lesson that uh but that's we've talked about before too that you're also never alone. A lot of the heartbreak that you experience in everyday life, you're alone for it. It's something that happens to you and it's personal. When it's in sports, you have a built-in community that's going through the same thing. So if you're disappointed by the Mariners, don't worry because there's people out there that are with you and you're not alone in that regard. Yeah, and I I think that's both the gift and the curse, right? That there are other people who, who, if they're hurt by this team or discouraged by this team, feel that same with you. But on the flip side... If you're optimistic and you have hope for the future and you're always on the optimistic side, glass half full, there are other people. Lydia, you're you're at the front of the classroom raising <laughs> your hand go. at every question. Like there are just people out there who are eternally optimistic and there are people who aren't. And neither of those groups are wrong at any point. And I think understanding that you're allowed to be upset with the Mariners and disappointed Feel in the lack feelings. of the results 
but also still support them and still be a fan and still want them to succeed and push them to be better, you can be both of those things. You're very much allowed to be and feel both of those things. And I would actually highly encourage fans to be and feel both of those things at all times. This too shall pass, honestly, whether you're good or bad. Think about the conversation they're having in Boston this morning. Tom Brady might be on the way out, and he might be playing in a different uniform. What's that going to mean for Bill Belichick? Is he going to hang around and try and coach a team back up, try and rebuild a New England Patriots team? The The dynasty of yesteryear may pass. Now, they may not. They may come back together. They may play another few years together, but it could turn at any moment. Look at the Tennessee Titans. They had Marcus Mariota starting, and they were terrible. They looked like a a lost team out there. Tannehill comes in. They passed. That becomes an ancient chapter in the history of even this season, and then it's the Tannehill, Derrick Henry, success. You move forward. So whether it's good, whether it's bad, and that's the beauty of sports and life, is that tomorrow will come. There will be another day for you to go out and change the way things are. And if you don't want them to go out and keep fighting for that, then you you shouldn't be a sports fan because that's really what it's all about. Absolutely. Couldn't have put it better myself. And up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, how should you be taking in the 2020 Mariners season? We heard from Jerry Depoto this week on what you can expect from this team. But we want your thoughts on, on how to view this season and the future here in Seattle. It's next on Seattle Sports Saturday on 710 ESPN Seattle. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. I just don't want to interrupt Beastie Boys, you we know. Run, we, we run into this issue quite a bit when Beastie Boys songs come on. I just go to the the Temple of Beastie Boys. They're just one of my favorites, so it's hard to talk over them. But welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs, two huge hip-hop aficionados. Yeah. Especially 90s hip-hop. Yep. Beastie Boys, I mean, I'm a white Jewish kid. so Yeah, right, like, right app, up my alley. Apple can't fall far from the tree. We just need you to have been from New York, and then it would be perfect. Yeah, but... I know. If I was from like, a, a borough, I don't yeah, know. One, one of the boroughs. One of the five. I don't know. <laughs> one of them. Um, well, we were discussing before the break, Felix Hernandez having some mixed feelings about him signing a minor league deal. Ultimately, Taylor and I so happy for the King. He deserves all the success in the world out there. And hopefully he gets to be a part of the big league squad and, Mm -hmm. and play in a playoff game ultimately. But in the meantime, back here in the American league, Mm -hmm. back with the Mariners, they're looking at the next generation of players. Maybe the, the Felix Hernandez of the future. When, they, when they're talking about their prospects and a lot of unknowns still for this team in 2020, it was our first opportunity to hear from Jerry Depoto ahead of this season. And what did we learn from Jerry? Well, some sad news when it came to Mitch Haniger, who has had a setback and will now miss six to eight weeks. We found out Monday night that Mitch had had a setback, and it's probably going to result in a core surgery that might cause for him to miss most or all of spring training and likely delay the start of his season. So uh, this is all kind of coming together over the course of the last 40 hours or so. So it's still very fresh. But, uh, you know, he's attacking it very aggressively because he doesn't want to miss any more time. I say that's obviously a huge bummer. But I also would say I would try to find the slight silver lining in that 
I don't know if he was a huge part of your future here in Seattle, which seems crazy to say. Yeah. But he is. They talk a lot about growing this team in waves and and bringing prospects up at the same time so that they ascend together. And Mitch Haniger, crazy as it seems to say that, is on the older end of of their players currently in the major leagues and maybe not a part of what they're trying to do in the long term. Now, you brought it up earlier, Taylor. It's still a bummer because he's, well, A, he's a beloved player and he yeah. deserves to be on the field. He's so hardworking. But also because if you were to consider a trade potentially before the trade deadline, he's missing out on six to eight weeks to show off his potential and to show off his value, which is a bummer. Yeah, and just look, I mentioned it before. Look, there's two ways to think about this Mitch Haniger thing. One, he's a part of this Mariners future, and you want to have him as a veteran leader on this roster going forward. Completely acceptable way to think about it. What comes with it is you know that he is on the older side. He didn't play with these guys coming up. And what potential value he could bring back to this team, the the other players he could provide to this team, what he may mean to another team. Again, it's like Jaron Reed. He may have more value outside of Seattle than in Seattle. And those those are things to consider uh, when you're talking about him. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they handle this this, this situation with Mitch and his injury and, and his value, trade value, team value, and just what it means for the future building blocks of this team. It also, it's some interesting questions, though, about that outfield and maybe potentially some younger guys getting some reps. Uh, when you look at the 40-man roster in the outfield, you have Braden Bishop, Jake Fraley, Kyle Lewis, Malik Smith, but you also have that next wave of players that people are are so curious about which includes Julio Rodriguez, and it includes Jared Kelnick, uh, two of the Mariners' top prospects, and Jerry DePoto speaking to the fact that they're they're pacing themselves with those those prospects. They don't want to bring them up too soon and you know, hamper their development. We are dealing with, in Julio's case, very limited experience above short the short A ball, West Virginia, and uh, or or low A ball, and in Jared's case, just 92 plate appearances above the the Cal League. So, you know, I don't want to do anything that will harm their progress. It's a we think a lot of of both players. We want to do the right thing for their development, and if the Mariners have an April that is tougher to watch because we were taking our time to do the right thing for for Julio and Jared, that's what we will do. I actually love hearing that. I know that in the immediate future that it might be a bummer to hear for some for some fans who would like to see a little bit more immediate gratification for this quote rebuild process but you've also seen the downside of that you've seen during the Jack Zorenzik era you've seen them bring up Mike Zinuno perhaps too soon before he was allowed to develop and I think it's important to note that it's not just a physical development that happens it's a mental development when you go through all of those levels yeah and I mean it's almost like you can break a player if you rush them up too early and they fail and they can't get their head right. And we know that there's so many one-on-one battles that take place in baseball between a pitcher and a batter and just the catcher. Right. It's a really, really cerebral game. So getting right, no matter how long it takes, get right. And I think that should and always take priority. And now we're seeing it with this Mariners organization where we didn't see it for a long time. And those were the years they really floundered and squandered a lot of potential success by not thinking about the future and adding, you know, 
young, strong arms and potential batters and, and getting that farm system rich with people. So you can potentially either move some of those people and, and get some known commodities or wait for them to mature and come up. And then you have this young core that came up together and they played together. And I think that's where this Mariners team is heading is that, you know, these guys played together in Arkansas and they had that relationship of winning and, and taking it to the next level. And now you'll see them sort of sprinkled all throughout double A, triple A and to the major league level as well. And I mean, to me, this season, the thing I'm looking at, if I'm pulling out the 40-man roster here, and I'm looking at all these names, and there's a lot of names you don't know, and there's a lot of names you do know, the, the thing I'm going to be looking at... Well, yeah, this is my question that I spend to Taylor and yep. to you. How do you measure success? How do you take in the 2020 season yep. at this point? I'm looking, and this is going to sound very weird, I'm looking at the date of birth, Lydia. Mm-hmm. If you're born after 1995, I'm looking right at you, Big Daddy. I'm looking at your production, what you can do, what growth you're going to have this season. 95, pretty significant year in Seattle when it comes to baseball, so I like that. Yep. Use that as a marker. Using it as a marker. But if you were born after Ken Griffey Jr. was smiling at the bottom of that pile, Justin Dunn, you know, I'm looking at... um, We've got Evan White. Evan White. He's he's technically on the 45... Man ro- or forty man roster, excuse me. You've got Jake Fraley, JP Crawford, Shed Long, ninety five as well. Kyle Lewis. I like it. You say those names and you're saying them out loud, Lydia. And those are the names Depoto's been saying out loud. And those are the names Service has been saying out loud. And those are the people they've identified to the public as people to watch. And that means something for an organization look they have so many people in the youth, in the farm system to come out and identify these specific players means something that they're they're trying to push them to this next level or they have the expectations they can make it to that next level so to me 1995 and after you're on the clock now this is your team i want to see the growth you make this season i want to see numbers increase i want to see the amount of you know pitches taken I want to see that those types of stats really show a, a story of uh, increased production. And on the pitching side of things, that would be the Justice Sheffields, the Justin Dunn, and the Gerson Batistas yes. of the world. So three players, again, that are expected to be a big part of the future here in Seattle. Because you got to get the look, they're, they're, these are 40 man roster talents right now, right? You got to get these guys going right now so that in a year, two years from now when you're really pushing and I know some people are still skeptical of that but in order for that to happen these guys got to emerge and have a have a good season of production and growth in order to allow those young people to come up and be role players and not be relied upon as stars and that way you start to truly integrate the young players into the system and into the system going forward I think too yeah that is the, the pitching side is huge for me because I honestly, oh. I don't have as much yes. of a concern about Depoto's ability to find bats and to find contributors on that side of, of the ball. But the pitching, well, just the state of pitching in MLB yes. is going to a, a drastically different place. I think that the traditional starters could be a thing of the past here in a couple of years. You might see whether it's more of the opener or... Or even a six-man rotation, I think, could be really intriguing, whether it's like three innings, three innings. I think that's potential change that could happen. I think the traditional ace starting pitchers 
it's a sadly a dying breed. Yeah, and you just look at the Washington Nationals and what they were able to do, right? They had their starting rotation, but then to narrow it down to the three guys centrally and then to move everyone else into the bullpen to give them those sort of high leverage situations, to have them pitch in the unique starter slash opener slash sort of middle relief. But I wouldn't even call that. It's it, it, just sort of this the spot mm-hmm. start. I think those can be so valuable to this Mariners team and how they can be successful going forward. Cause you saw it with the nationals. They had those three aces, but then everyone else was able to just play their role behind them. And I think the people playing their role behind them actually allowed those three aces to go out and do what they needed to do. So that and the Astros similar, like they also had Verlander, Cole and Granky in there as well. And look at how the Dodgers are trying to build. You look at how the Yankees are trying to build. You look at at all these teams that are successful and how they're building. And it's truly an arms race, Lydia, like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And the cost of starting pitching is skyrocketing. So a lot of it does mean finding guys in your system that you can, you can either draft and develop or that you can make trades for prospect wise and that you can get value out of that. You can have on your roster and underpay for that, exceed expectations so that's what I'm going to be having my eye on this year and seeing if I would believe Justice Sheffield could take that next step he's still incredibly young mm-hmm. he was incredibly young last year but I think speaking with him at spring training last year is just struck by his maturity his attitude I think also Justin Dunn can make some big steps in that way so these are people that might be in your starting rotation in a couple of years, and they need that next step. Is there any stats specifically you'll be looking at with them, ERA or WHIP, or the, is it just sort of overall? Yeah, I think walk rate w- will walk be, rate. of course, a huge one. Just and and it doesn't necessarily show up on the on the stat sheet, but I think I like to watch when a player gives up a walk and what he does on the next at bat or a pitcher, excuse me, it's, mm. because I think. That, to me, is a level of – it shows a level of maturity and competitiveness. Can you get out of your own head and the fact that now you've got a runner on base in some capacity, you messed up, and you have to – you have to get out yourself out of a jam. That's when I like watching pitchers the most. Mm -hmm. So I'll be very curious about that. You also have a catching staff that is – Tom Murphy and Austin Nola, who hasn't had a full season of catching, and and their contributions to what the pitchers are able to do is going to be huge as well. So I, I think I'll really be focused on the pitching side of things. It'll be fun, of course. A lot of the bigger names are on uh, our bats that you'll be looking to see. Yeah. This might be a good year for you to also invest in going to some minor league games if you can if you can uh this year and next year if you can get down to Tacoma and and check out the Rainiers or if you live in in yeah Everett or or any of the other locations you know West Virginia Mm -hmm. or Arkansas if you're visiting uh I go to watch minor league baseball quite often in other cities and it's really fun this might be a year to go check out Arkansas and see some of these big name players yeah this is the year to start to pay attention to the young people who will be here in a few years. And this is the time to establish who you like. So when you're at the water cooler, you can be like, oh, I've been an Evan White fan since 2020. Right? You can be a hipster. You can be like, oh, yeah, I liked him before he was cool. And so. in five years, people are like, Evan White, what? this guy's the man. And yeah. you're like, I knew about that. Get on my level. Thanks, right? Seattle Sports Saturdays. <laughs> uh, up next on Seattle Sports Saturday, we're going to wrap things up with, we do it every week. Shout outs. Shout outs. Text we them in. your shout outs. Text them in 710-710. You. you right there. I'm talking to you. Get you them are. in.
He's pointing, even as we speak, uh, <laughs> to the Coors Light text line. We want to hear from you. We'll wrap things up with shout-outs next on Seattle Sports Saturday. Seattle Sports Saturdays with Lydia Cruz, Curtis Rogers, and Taylor Jacobs. On 710 ESPN Seattle. Welcome back to Seattle Sports Saturday. Thank you. Shout-out to you for hanging out with us on this fine Saturday. Lydia Cruz, Taylor Jacobs in the house Missing C-Rod. Shout out to, to Curtis, who yeah. is traveling on his way down to sunny Florida. A rough life this guy's living. Headed to the Super Bowl. Going to be on Radio Row all this week with John Clayton, with the professor. Yeah, be sure you're tuning in to the professor, 10 to noon, Monday through Friday this week. Uh, last year, look, they got to talk to so many stars. And a few years ago, Bob Gross and Tom talked to a little-known Texas Tech quarterback by the name of Patrick Mahomes. Uh, like. There are all these little interviews and situations that will happen this week because it's Super Bowl week, and it will be quite the week to pay attention to and stay tuned in. So be tuning in, 710 ESPN, live on the scene the whole week, best coverage. And we were live on the scene for the Pro Bowl. Jay Keeps there. Shout out to Jay. Exactly, man. We're 710 all over the place. So, yeah, uh, shout out to you, C-Raj. Of course, we miss you in-house, and mm-hmm. we'll be out next Saturday as well. But me and Taylor holding down the fort for you. And, Taylor, as we do every week, wrap it up with shout outs. Yeah. What's your shout out this week? I'll just go ahead and give a happy Lunar New Year to those who celebrate. That starting last night, carrying into today, and then... The, the days of celebrations to follow and uh, to all those who celebrate. And uh, I just want to say happy Lunar New Year. I guess I can gung hei fat choi. Nice. That's Cantonese. Mm-hmm. So nice. I apologize if I butchered that. Trying to be more uh, yeah open-minded and try and wish people the proper greetings in the proper language. So for those Cantonese speakers out there, hopefully I didn't just completely embarrass myself. Do you know any of the traditional celebrations for Lunar New Year? Well, I mean, there's dragon dancing. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you go to the ID, you can find all the great stuff. The red envelopes, the good luck, the fortune, all of these things. Year of the Rat. Um, I don't know specifically what that brings. But, um, yeah, just really cool to see. It's so cool just to see other people's culture and their celebrations and what the values and the things they truly love to do. It's fascinating. It's what makes us human. And I I love finding out more about different cultures and peoples. And this is just one of those moments I remember must've been now six or seven years ago. uh, I went to Singapore and I was actually flying over China during the lunar new year celebrations. And Mm -hmm. it was so cool. Just the amount of fireworks going on, as far as the eye could see, there were just fireworks everywhere. And you could hear the, even like in a plane, you could hear the celebrations going down below. So shout out to everyone with something to celebrate, whether it's just working hard, your family, your friends, your health. The fact that you're listening to Seattle Sports Saturdays right now, shout out, shout out to you. I love it. All right. Well, my shout out this week, uh, I mean, I actually have two. And they have a similar theme. The first mm. one, I'm actually going to shout out Eli Manning. We didn't talk Ooh, about it on the show, but uh, he announced his retirement earlier this week and played his entire career for one team, won two Super Bowls with the Giants. But 
16 years with one team. It's pretty epic. And however you feel about Eli and sometimes his uh, interesting body language or uh, facial expressions or uh, how you feel about him, rank him in the Manning brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, He beat the New England Patriots. Twice. Twice in the Super Bowl with an underdog team. That, to me, just you know solidifies you as a hero. He's he not also, the hero we wanted. He's the hero we needed. Exactly. And you also beat them, and then the following year is when the Patriots got out to that 0-3 start, and they lost to Miami. Oh. And, it, you know, just, Eli, thank you for uh, blessing us with those two moments. And also, you were by far, in my opinion, the funniest Manning brother on Saturday Night Live, which yes. I did not expect. Cool. Uh, but thank Cule. you, thank you Cule. for one of the most epic, uh, not only episodes, but s- scenes or ske- yeah. sketches in particular that will uh, live on forever. So, yeah, the court scene with the I Manning, if you haven't seen it, Jason De- Sudeikis is the judge. It's yes. one of the all timers, just yes. hilarious. Um, I guess t- I was just being silly yet sexy, you know, like he <laughs> he. Please go watch it if you haven't already. But to piggyback off that, I'll just say real quick, Taylor, that my other one is a guy who played most of his entire career for Seattle, and I just want to give a shout-out to Felix Hernandez. I think it's Mm. awesome that he signed a minor league deal with the Atlanta Braves. It does hurt my heart just a tiny bit that he'll be wearing a different uniform, but I wish him all the success in the world. He deserves it. He gave us so much here in Seattle, and and I I hope that he can find – sometimes you do need a change of scenery, and you do need to go to a different place with different people around you to have success, and maybe that will help him, and he can blossom in the next part of his career. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. I honestly, I think you hit it right on the head. It's perfect. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard because he's is such a big figure for us. So it's like hard to feel like truly excited about Felix in another uniform. But at the same time, he he paid his dues. He did everything here he could have, and he was great. So again, hats off to Felix in his career, and hopefully he can. Add a little bit more to it. Unfortunately, it just won't be here. It's like that ex that you broke up with, but it was a mutual parting of ways, and they're yeah. still like an amazing person, or they were so nice about it, and and so you can't ever wish them not to do well in yeah. life. But it's at the same time, you're like, I mean, do you have to go like date a supermodel? Probably yeah. not. That's what people are saying about me, right? <laughs> no one's no. One. I mean, maybe the dating a supermodel, but yeah, no. Molly, you are. Um, some texts coming in here. Two oh six. Shout out to you guys listening while delivering UPS driver. Oh, so shout out to yeah. all the people working. No matter what job you're working this weekend, or if you're working odd days during the week, random hours, random shifts. We, we know it. We, we feel know it. it. We feel it. We value you, and we really appreciate all you. Thank do, you. No matter what field you're in. Uh, a big shout out here. From the 206, and I can't, I'm can't. i sorry we forgot about this. We probably should have led with this. Um, shout out to the women and men of the Seattle Police Department and the Seattle Fire Department for their incredible response to the shooting that took place in downtown Seattle earlier. Yeah. Um, crazy scene earlier this week. Um, you know, it just makes you kind of rethink about things that are important in life and just, you know, I, I run a lot of the social media here and I was working at home and I got a text from my sister essentially saying that she was trapped and needed a ride out. There was a hundred plus dollars to Uber out. So, you know, you just like you switch out of that mode. Right. And you're in this big brother mode. You're in this human mode of just trying to be another human being and help other help out other people. So to all the people who run into danger head first, whether you're in the police department, the fire department, whether you're in the a first responder, um, 
you do work with the hospitals, whether you do uh, work in the military, and you're mm-hmm. running into to that sort of conflict. Where and, and every instinct, human instinct, tells you to go the opposite way. Right. You move forward and into these situations to help other people. Yeah, huge I mean, I tr- shout out. I truly wish it it made money talking about those stories, and it was what people cared about hearing because I would love to talk about that for three hours every week. But it would also be nice not to have to talk about those because those situations shouldn't exist. And and we wish that there weren't there wasn't danger for people to be running into. But, yeah, just a sad, a sad thing that happened earlier in Seattle. And thank you to all the the people out there who responded. A good reminder. um, Tell the people that you love that you love them. Tell the friends that you appreciate their friendship. And, you know, we don't know how long we're here or Mm -hmm. when we're going to be gone or how it's going to happen. So. Live every moment to its fullest. Appreciate the people around you. Try and be positive. Look, we're talking sports. We can we can have fun with it and joke around, but it's not life and death. It is just a game, and that's the best part about sports is we can leave our, our sort of lives and, and focus on these sports and these people, and it can kind of give us a great distraction about having fun and being together and enjoying something as a group and being truly part of something special. So I'll, I'll shout out anyone out there willing to make a difference and trying their best at being their best. Thank you for someone texting that in and reminding us because yeah, we so appreciate you and your interaction and involvement with this show. It's what makes it go. So yeah, thank honestly. you everyone who texted in seven ten seven ten to the Coors Light text line today for myself, Liddy Cruz and Taylor Jacobs, the freshest of all fresh. Just, you know, I do have an expiration date, but I'm fresh for now. <laughs> fresh for now, we'll call it. We thank you so much for tuning in to Seattle Sports Saturday. Everybody enjoy the Pro Bowl. We'll see you back here next Saturday on Seattle Sports Saturday.